Um, okay, so it doesn't look like we're going to get many people in here, unfortunately, but I'm still going to take questions from you guys. Um, hopefully we'll get at least some sort of an Ask Shane episode out of this. Um, maybe Manly, do you want to start with a question for me? So um, the new podcast that you're doing? Yep. Green Night Weekend. Um, do you kind of, I don't, maybe you mentioned this before, but um, do you kind of try and keep it around a little over an hour? Is that kind of the intent or? Yeah, I I've done that intentionally. And the reason three night weekend is an hour and, you know, a couple have gone over a little bit, but I try to keep the conversation with the guest to an hour. Um, and then obviously where we actually prepare you for the weekend, that's kind of extra content that goes on top of that. Uh, but the big reason why I've tried to keep it at, a, at an hour is to get guests, because if you start asking them for a bigger time commitment, the chances of them participating starts to lessen with every extra 15 minutes that you ask from them. So um, sure. it's an easier pitch for me when I go out to people to try to get them on the show to be like, it's just an hour on zoom than it is. If it's like, well, we're just kind of loosey goosey and we'll just see where the conversation goes. Um, a lot of these people are really busy and they need to know that it's only going to last an hour because they have to schedule a bunch of other stuff. Um, like two weeks ago, we ended up, we had a guest lined up and then they bailed like two days before the recording and we couldn't get another one. Um, and they were like, even an hour is tough for me right now. And that was kind of their reasoning. They're like, oh, a meeting popped up with a game that we're working on. And I can't skip that to just do something fun. Um, and so we're trying to make it as easy as possible for the people who could participate and be guests. And that's really the root of it. Um, pretty much every episode we've done so far of Three Night Weekend, I've hated ending the conversation where I've had to end it. And I've hated having to kind of cut it off at a certain point or cut off yep. answers to some of the questions that I've asked people because I know that there's a lot we have to get to still and we need to move on. Um, so that's been a little bit frustrating for me personally. I wish it could be like game face where we just kind of just let it roll. And, uh, you know, it's a little more long form and I wish I could give, you know, more great content to our patrons or as much great content to our patrons as we can per month. But I think the hour is a sweet spot for most people. And I think, in, in all honesty, for most people as well, just listening to or watching a, a podcast or a video cast, I think most people kind of expect them to be an hour. Uh, we, we've kind of trained or conditioned people to listen to Game Face for three hours. And there are other podcasts that have done the same thing, like Joe Rogan, obviously, his show's three hours, sometimes longer. Um, I think a lot of it is the expectation that you set at the beginning. If you remember Game Face, when it first launched, it was we tried to make it an hour. Uh, and that was with Marcus. And again, that was the reason it was an hour was because of what I'm dealing with with three night weekend. I felt like if it was longer than an hour, Marcus wouldn't be as apt to be a part of it. And as it turns out, he couldn't even end up doing an hour. So, <laughs> um, and then once I started, you know, working with Matt, he's like, man, I got time and I enjoy it. So, you know, we started pushing the show out a little bit farther and farther until we kind of got to the three hours that we're at now. Um, I think people have just gotten used to it at this point. Um, I will say this, though, um, like the first week that we came back for Game Face wasn't really a problem. Like I powered through the show, no problem. But last week, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like the last like 40 minutes of the show, I was starting to struggle a little bit. Like I got starting to have a little bit of like an episode while we were doing the show. Um, and it's funny, my wife was watching the stream. And when I got home, she's like, oh, she's like, I saw your last like half hour. You're having some issues. And I was like, wow, I'm surprised you picked up on that. But if you go back and watch it, like you can see, like I'm, my temperature is starting to rise. Like I'm adjusting my shirt a lot. That's starting to get really hot. Um, I, I, you can't, couldn't see it on the show, but I had taken my shoes off. Um, so, and they still haven't figured out what's wrong with me. I went to an endocrinologist this week 
and it was pointless. Like she's like, oh, we already have your thyroid levels and that's pretty much all I can look at. So I don't know. They can't, really can't figure out what's going on with me. And I'm not a doctor, so I can't figure it out myself either. Um, so I don't know if Game Face is going to continue to be as long as it has been the last couple of weeks for until we get this sorted out. Um, but I'm still having symptoms. I'm still having issues. I'm just trying to power through. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. So length of stuff. I know it's really important as far as the success of a show, people willing to engage with a show. Uh, and it's something that we're always looking at. And obviously with my health issues I'm having right now, it's something that's kind of forcing me to look at it in a lot of ways. And conveniently, the industry is really freaking slow right now, which has kind of worked out. The timing's worked out for that. But, um, you know, obviously, once things pick up, I hope that we can get Game Face back out to three hours. And I hope I'm in a place where I can do it for three hours without starting to feel a little funky. So it's, uh, it's been a wild ride this last month, a scary ride in a lot of ways. Uh, but in general, I am feeling better most of the time, but my symptoms haven't gone completely away. Yeah, so um, I know these aren't your favorite games, but I'm a huge From fan okay. like, of all the Soulsborne games. And like, I'm, I'm wondering why usually when a company has footage leaked, they want to like suppress that as much as possible and then put out like the official trailer. So there's like the really polished footage out there. Yep. Why, why did from just kind of back away from, from like releasing the, the trailer that they had going? That's a really good question. I have been shocked. I mean, if you watch game face, I was like, oh, I'm going to run this. I know it's going to burn me. I'm gonna have to swap the trailer. I, I thought for sure at the very least that by the time I published that episode for our YouTube audience, that I was going to have to like black out the trailer and I didn't, they still have not, and this, here's the other thing. Bandai Namco is the worst with YouTube strikes. There, there are only a couple publishers left. There's Capcom, like I can't run any Resident Evil trailers in anything that we do, or we'll get a copyright strike. And Bandai Namco, those are the two publishers that are, like we can't run like Xenoverse 2 trailers without get. we have to run like our own gameplay footage from any Resident Evil stuff, from any Bandai Namco stuff. So I am shocked that they have not taken it down. Like at first I was like, okay, no one's told them yet. Like it just hasn't come to their attention yet that that trailer is out there, that it's been leaked. And I was like, okay, that's good. Like our patrons and our subscribers are gonna get to watch the trailer. And then when it goes up for the YouTube version, I'll have to take it out or I'll black it out or whatever. No big deal. At least our patrons and our subscribers got to see it. No, <laughs> those both both episodes, both the version with no ads that we put up for our patrons and subscribers and the version that we put up on YouTube with ads still up. Um, so by now they definitely know. And my hope is that because they have had to come out and say from software, Bandai Namco kind of stepping back, but from software has had to come out and say, you know what? Like this game is still in development. I'm wondering if they're like, look, like right now, People are wondering if we're even making this game still. I don't know if that's like playing into it a little bit. Um, if they're just worried about awareness for the game at this point, and they don't think that they're getting any awareness for the game uh, because, you know, it bumped up on social media. And I'm sure if you talk to Adam Sessler when he's had his old gig on at Spike Trap, he would have said, well, here, here's a spike for you. Like people are starting to pay attention to your game again. It could just be this thing where, I mean, look, this is a big project for them. George R.R. R. Martin doesn't just work with anyone. So they need awareness for the game. I don't think it's really tracking well with some more casual players, which 
you know, it looks like it's going to be like a lot like all their older games. Maybe they don't care because they know the mainstream may reject it anyway. Um, but it appears to me that they've made a calculated decision that it's in the game's best interest for that trailer to stay out there. And it's shocking to me knowing how protective Bandai Namco has been in the past uh, for everything that it does. And I will say this, they do let us run Souls-like trailers. They do not copyright protect those for some reason. It's usually stuff that's related to Dragon Ball or things that have an IP attached to them, like a third-party IP. Uh, so, you know, obviously this is going to be their own IP, and uh, maybe they're going to be a little more loosey-goosey with it, but I am shocked, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I'm glad that they're allowing it to stay out there, because I don't think it's detrimental to the game at all. I know I did say on Game Face that it doesn't look as good as maybe I'd hoped it would look, um, but I think for people who are into the Souls-like games, I don't think anyone was disappointed in what they saw. So, in fact, people were probably pretty excited to see a character riding on a horseback in an open world. Um, although Matt did kind of bring up, you know, what does that mean for their level design, which is something that I really respect from those games. Um, I think it's probably what we were talking about on Game Face, where you can ride from one location to an next, and once you get to that location, then you get kind of their level design that they're known for. Um, but I just think ultimately they decided that it's for the betterment of the game if it stays out there. And that could change in five minutes. Like I could go home from recording F Shane anything and I could get an alert that says, oh, you, your game phase 246, uh, the copyright and it's been taken down and I have to re-render the show with the, the trailer blacked out. I keep waiting any day for that to happen. Uh, maybe I should just render the show that way anyway to just get it out of the way. Um, but as of right now, it seems to be that they're just going to let it ride. So I'm happy about that. Um, like we have a lot of times we'll have stuff like that on our TriCaster. <clears throat> like we still have the old Hogwarts legacy trailer that was leaked on uh, the TriCaster. And I'll forget that it's like blocked on YouTube and like someone will come in to run TriCaster. It won't be me and I'll forget about it and I'll put it in the rundown and they'll run it. And then like sometimes I'll forget or I wouldn't have seen that they ran the trailer and we'll put the, tra the show through YouTube and it'll pop and, it, and the show will be blocked. And I'm like, crap, I got to remember to take that off the TriCaster. That's not happened so far with this trailer. And hopefully that's the case. But if it does, I'll have, definitely have to remember to go and like delete it off the hard drive. So we don't accidentally use it going forward in an episode. Yeah. If I can add something to that uh, three night weekend. Um, I personally actually really <laughs> like the hour long uh, chats that you do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other side of the coin um, I think it helps to keep them focused and I can tell that you're a good interviewer, you know, you, and, and that's part of good interviewing is keeping it going. Not, you know, not having somebody kind of stall out on their conversation and, and cause, you know, tangents and, and dead air. Actually, that's with a lot of gaming related podcasts out there. Um, that's one of my biggest criticisms of, of them. Um, even like, Easy Allies, I know, which I think used to produce like a really great, tight one hour podcast. You know, they get up to like two, almost two hours sometimes when they're just rambling back and forth. And maybe they're, you know, they're more hardcore fans like that, you know, just like the banter. Mm -hmm. But especially what you're doing with uh, Three Night Weekend, you know, having that uh, concise conversation. Um, I love it. I've, I've loved, absolutely loved every single episode you've done. 
And I'll be honest with you, like I haven't finished the conversation with anyone and felt like, oh crap, I missed something. Like I right. yeah. I've managed to get everything into the shows that I wanted to get into the shows. And your question about like doing interviews, it's something I really miss. Um, yeah. I've since moving to Sifted, like we don't get access to people like we used to, like we, I did at game trailers. Um, and like, I don't, I try to like never toot my own horn, but I feel like if there was one thing that I felt like I was pretty good at um, as a journalist, it was interviewing people. I managed to get stuff out of people that we could sit there. And the way this stuff used to work is you go to an event and you'd set up your camera and you'd stay there. And the people just go in a cycle and just take their turns. And a lot of it depended on like how big your publication was. So generally how it worked was it would be IGN, then GameSpot, then Game Trailers. And then they go to like the smaller guys and finish it all off. Um, and so you'd have IGN do their interview, the GameSpot do their interview, then I do mine. And somehow I would manage to get stuff out of the, that person, that same person that they talked to, that other people could not get out of them. It happened almost every time I did inter interviews. And I really miss that part of the job. Um, that is the really bummer part for me of working at a smaller publication now is that I don't have the same access that I used to. Not to like the games or like the free stuff or anything. Like I don't care about any of that. Um, I care about having the access to the people and being able to talk to them about the stuff that they're working on. As a journalist, you should miss that. And I do like big time. And obviously with, you know, a pandemic, it's even worse. And so it's been great to be able to start talking to some of these people again. I've been very appreciative that people are willing to do it because again, we are smaller. Like they know that if they do something with us, it's not instantly going to be broadcast out to like a billion people. Um, and so the fact that they're willing to do it, um, I'm really flattered by it. Um, to me, it shows that they want to talk to me about stuff. Um, so it means a lot that they're willing to do it. And hopefully we can build an audience with this uh, show uh, so that people are like coming to me and asking me to be on the show instead of me having to go reach out to them. But that's a ways down the road. But um, I really enjoy doing it. I'm glad you guys like it because we've launched so many shows. It's really insane if you go back through Sifted's history and look at all the shows we've launched. I don't know if any publication comes even close to the amount of ideas and stuff that we've tried. Um, and a lot of it is just because our audience is so small. It's like we would launch something on game trailers and sure, it wouldn't be as popular as like Invisible Walls or whatever, but it would still do like huge numbers because the, it's such a huge audience there. But now, because our audience is so much smaller, it's like if it doesn't do the huge numbers, it's harder for us to rationalize keep do, keeping doing it. So I'm glad people have been receptive to Three Night Weekend and that we can keep doing it because it's something I really, really enjoy doing. In a way, it's kind of like the paradox of being a AAA developer versus a indie developer. Now you, you're your own boss. You can make the rules. You have all these ideas. You can do it, but no you're tells me no, and that could be a good yeah. thing, and that could be a bad thing. <laughs> well, well, I don't. It all depends I don't think on the idea. That's the part, but but yeah. but my point is now you you know as like an indie venture, you have a that smaller audience and. There's just so much luck that goes into, you know, look at that game, Valheim or whatever now. Yeah. <laughs> like, example. you got to launch at the right time. Yeah. It's just luck. It is There's luck. Like, game trailers. Some, sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like it was a lot of luck. Let's be honest. Like, it was the yeah. right idea at the exact right time. It was a gaming website that was all video when video was exploding on the internet. And we were HD before anybody else, when HD was just starting on the internet. Like, it was just the perfect storm. Um, and then, you know, they had the idea of just putting up trailers. People started really getting into watching game trailers. And then I come along to build the editorial team to do our original con. It was just all the timing of everything just worked perfectly. It was the right staff that I hired. It was the right people who had founded it, who were there already. It was the right company, MTV. They gave us a blank check for the first three years we were there. And they're just like, do whatever the hell you want. We believe in you. Like it just all was a perfect storm. And you're right. Like to have a smashing success, you need that. It hasn't quite happened yet for Sifted, but I'm not going to quit. So <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just... believe that eventually something is going to hit and we're going to take off. So you have to believe that. You can't believe anything else. You just can't. Um, so yeah, that's just keep, keep creating. Going. That's like, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Just Otherwise keep creating. You're going <laughs> to fall right in your face. Uh, so you got to keep the faith. You got to keep going and you got it. And you're right. Like it is nice to be able to try stuff. And if it doesn't work, like I don't have to worry about being fired. Like, honestly, you know, if you're a man in management and you make big bets and the big bets fail, you run the risk of getting fired. That's all there is to it. So um, it's nice to be someplace where only I can fire me. <laughs> and so I can just keep trying stuff. And if it doesn't hit, just move on and try something else. That's the beauty of working on the internet in general, instead of working in television, television bets are big bets. The pressure there is immense. Uh, something doesn't work. You do get fired. I mean, that's how TV works. Um, but with the internet, you can just juke and jive and keep trying new stuff and throwing more crap against the wall until, until something sticks to it. Uh, and so that's the advantage of this medium for sure. Yeah. What do you uh, think about the uh, console launch so far? Um, like me personally. So I, uh, I work video game retail for a little bit. Um, uh, I don't yeah, know if you remember work in retail. So it was oh, like oh three to like oh eight. I was at uh, okay. Game Crazy when they were um, owned by Hollywood Video, and so it, that was pretty nice because during that time I got to see a couple launches. I got to see like the PSP, the DS. Back when um, launches were fun and people like lined up outside, and it was like yep. a big community thing. Yeah, I miss that stuff, man. I know Matt says. Yeah. He doesn't miss it at all. <laughs> He's like, I just would rather order it online and have it show up at my doorstep. I would not. I really yeah. like um, going to the console launches and seeing everyone and talking to everyone and being excited with everyone. It gets you pumped up, man. It's like yeah. being, a, I don't know. It's like gaming is such a solitary endeavor a lot of times. Even when you play online now, it's like, you know, it's you and a headset. And I don't even use a headset anymore. All the racist crap that you hear on headsets. Um, so it's nice to be able to get together in person with people who share the same things that you do. So I, I miss it a lot. But anyway, back to what your, uh, what your question was. Oh, yeah. So I was just saying, so um, for me, experiencing those launches, um, there was just like this. It, it just felt like there was, um, I don't know, a lot more maybe excitement behind it. And maybe it also has to do with kind of the technological leaps that were happening up more drastic yeah but, um, you hadn't like reached the me, law of diminishing is, returns yet right yeah well for me this was kind of the first one um where i haven't felt the need to actually go out and get one yet so you haven't got either one of them yet is what you're saying no no like i i will eventually but i just i think because um the fact that they're still supporting them pretty well right now um 
uh, I mean, the scarcity doesn't help as well, yeah. but uh, yeah, just uh, there doesn't seem to be to, to me anyway, right now that kind of killer app as well. Um, that killer game to kind of pull the trigger on that type of purchase, but um, and, and the leap doesn't help as well. Like right now I mainly use a one X and when I look at that and I look at kind of what's out there, I'm, you know, I'm not seeing that big of a difference yet. So because they're not making games just for the new machines yet. Yeah. Because they are keeping one foot on one side of the fence and the other foot on the other side of the fence, uh, they're not really writing to the metal for these machines yet. Um, I think they'll get better at it, but if you're asking me kind of, what are my, impressions of the two new consoles now that we're like a few months into it is that kind of what your question is well yeah i mean just overall comparing it um to previous years like how, how do you think the launches went how, how do you are you still using the machines right now that much or you know kind of overall okay um i will say this when i first got them i was a lot more excited for them than i am now um and i think a lot of it was because at least with playstation 5 there were a couple games that were exclusive to PlayStation 5 at launch that did really kind of push the envelope, or at least push the hardware a little bit. Like Demon Souls is an amazing game. It's literally one of the best-looking games I've ever seen. And so I, I felt kind of that the impact of a console launch way more with PS5 than I did with Xbox Series X. Um, now I'll say this. As time has gone on, I found myself using my Series X more. Um, probably because of Game Pass. I think that's a big part of it. Um, Even though I've played a lot of the games on Game Pass, I do find myself kind of sampling there on Game Pass, looking for stuff that I think maybe will look better on my Series X. Um, And obviously Bethesda's whole catalog showing up in the last couple of days here. I went back and started looking again, and I downloaded Oblivion, and I'm like, I haven't played this for a long time. Like, Let me see how it looks on my Series X. Uh, the other thing, too, is my Series X has a bigger hard drive. And so I can experiment a little more with my Series X. It's like my PS5 hard drive has been full for a couple months now, really. And so if I want to play something on it, I have to delete something before I can download it. Uh, so when I first got them, it was all PS5. And now it's transitioned to where it's probably an even mix of the two consoles. Um, to answer your question of whether the leap is big enough right now. I would say no. And I can totally understand someone with your perspective. One, it's really hard to find them and it's a pain in the ass to get one, either one of them right now. Uh, I've been trying to get one for Pactor, to be honest with you, because he, he doesn't care enough to get one. And like, we don't pay Pactor because it's a conflict of interest for him to do the show and get paid for it and also work at his job. But, like, I just buy him gifts every once in a while just to, like, thank him for what he does. Like, I'll buy him, like, a really nice bottle of whiskey here and there, scotch or whatever. Um, And so I've been trying to get him a PS5, to be honest. Um, And it's been a pain in the ass. Like, I'm really lucky that I got mine. And, in fact, I wouldn't have got mine if it wasn't for my wife. I had tried all day one day. I had given up. And I had passed out on the couch watching TV or something. And she had been out to dinner with her friends. And she had came home. And she's like, hey, did you get one? And I was like, no. I'm like, I tried all day. I never got one. I'm like, it sucks. Um, And she's like, well, I'll try for you. Because she was like all amped up. She just got home from hanging out with her friends. And she literally went to Best Buy and just, boom, went right through. And it popped up and she bought it. Like, it was just pure luck. After I had tried all day with refreshing, like, two different laptops and, like, my phone, couldn't get one. She just hit refresh and, boom, it popped up for purchase. Just totally got lucky. 
And I have tried since then, not only to get one for Pactor, but also to get one for my sister who's looking for one for her son. Uh, so my nephew is trying to get one. So I've just been like, anytime like Mario 64 tweets, hey, stuff's going up right now, I will go and try to get one. And I have struck out over and over and over again. So I totally get it. Like, and I'll say this, like now that the, the new car smell has kind of worn off my consoles, knowing now what, how, what I, how much I'm playing them and how much I'm using them, I would say it's probably not worth um, going through the hassle of getting it until they become easier to get. Um, sitting there and refreshing over and over and then getting halfway through the sale and having the website crap out and then refreshing that page, hoping it reappears. Like, it's not worth it. Based up, now that I've had them for a few months, I would argue that it's probably not worth that hassle of trying to get them and to wait until they're more readily available. Um, as far as do I think on down the road, like once we start getting stuff like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and things like that, will I think they're worth it? Absolutely. I'm um, just playing Demon Souls uh, launch a PS5 made me realize that these consoles are going to be worth the money once the software really starts rolling out. Uh, but there just hasn't been a steady stream of it. And in all honesty, the games don't look enhanced enough um, on these new consoles compared to playing them on PS4 Pro or Xbox One X enough to rationalize the hassle of getting them either. So to go back to your question of has this launch been as impactful as console launches have been in the past? I would argue no. And I think a big part of it is everyone's been getting them kind of piecemeal. There hasn't been this big like rush of everybody kind of on social media or in person and the pandemic doesn't help with it either. I haven't had people coming over playing it because I've got it and they haven't got it yet. Like a lot of the stuff that used to come along with console launches hasn't happened. Um, and so I do feel like the impact of it has been muted. I do not think that it's a law of diminishing returns type deal though. But part of that could be that I just got a 4k TV. I haven't had one all this time. I got my 4k TV with the consoles. Um, and so it's been a big impact for me, but I'll say this too. Um, I had a PS4 pro. And I got my TV before I got my PS5. And so I hooked my PS4 Pro up to it and was playing like Assassin's Creed Valhalla on in 4K before I got my PS5. And it looked pretty damn good. Like even the PS4 Pro in 4K was a pretty big step up from just playing it at 1080p. So I may not be the perfect person to ask that because I just stepped up to 4K. Um, but for the most part, I think it's been a pretty big jump for me getting a 4K TV. And I think when these games start rolling in, like Ratchet and Clank, uh, like Horizon Forbidden West, um, like Halo Infinite, I do think that the step up is going to be big enough for people to feel okay with having spent all that money on their new consoles. Does that answer it for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of a follow-up. Um, what was your favorite? My favorite what? Launch. Oh, of any kind. For me, um, just for me, quick, um, I'll say hands down, uh, easily, Dreamcast by far. That was mine too. And the reason I think it was my favorite is, is the first console. I'm trying to remember if I pre ordered the N64. I don't think I did. I think I just walked into a Toys R Us and bought an N64 and launched it. Dreamcast was the first console that I pre ordered where it was like a thing, where. I was like, if I don't pre-order this thing, I'm not going to get it. And so I'm going to go in early and pre-order it. And I'm going to pick through the games that I want at launch. And it was the first time I went into a store on launch day. And it was a console launch where there was just a huge line. People all jacked up about it. People excited about it. 
uh, people playing games like out on the sidewalk on their handheld, stuff like that. Like that was the first one. And I think for almost anything in life, your first one is always going to be the most memorable uh, because it's like before that it was the unknown. And then finally you experience it and you're like, wow, this is really something cool. And I've pre-ordered every console since then. Um, and then I think leading up to probably, I think PS3 was kind of the, the pinnacle, the hilt. The PS3, the Xbox 360, because it felt like after that, like ordering stuff online became more feasible. And so the launches themselves, as far as showing up, weren't as big of a deal. Like I feel like the PS4 and uh, Xbox One are going to be the last console launches that were ever kind of that way. Uh, but I think PS3, Xbox 360 was just like, off the charts excitement like just huge crowds like i don't know if you remember like the one interview i did on the night of the wii launch where i talked to the wii super fan like just stuff like that like i just don't feel like it's ever gonna is ever gonna happen again um and so i think we've already reached kind of the zenith of the in-person console launch and they're only going to be less and less impactful going down or going forward uh, but yeah, for me, I agree with you. The Dreamcast was the biggest console launch for me. The one that had the biggest impact. So I was like, wow, like I never thought that consoles could do this because let's be honest, up until then, they were kind of a niche thing that like dorks like us did. It wasn't like just a pop culture thing like they are now. And everybody was like, they were socially acceptable, uh, especially being older. Like I was already in my 20s by then. Um, and so to see other 20 year olds standing in line for a video game console, that was a big deal with the Dreamcast. Um, and then with the PlayStation, obviously even a bigger deal uh, to see, you know, a lot of the rated games coming to PlayStation, seeing them making games for us instead of all the games kind of being targeted towards all ages. Uh, those were kind of big paradigm shifts for me. So, yeah, Dreamcast all the way. Thank you for being a part of the first live Ask Chain Anything. We ended up having like an hour long episode just because of you guys. And I hope everyone will see this, see how much fun it has been. I've had a blast talking to you guys. I hope other people see it and uh, they'll be want they'll want to uh, participate in next month's show. So thanks for being a part of it, guys. We'll see you the second Saturday of next month.